Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that brings you deep dive interviews with the motorcycle industry insiders and racers that make the sport move. I'm Dale Spangler, and this episode's guest is GNCC and Enduro racer for the Ampro Yamaha Factory Off-Road Team, Ricky Russell. This episode is brought to you by Moto America, home of AMA Superbike Racing and North America's premier motorcycle road racing series. Watch every round of the 2023 series with Moto America Live Plus video on demand streaming service. Or visit the Moto America YouTube channel for race highlights and original video content. For the complete 2023 Moto America schedule, head to MotoAmerica.com or follow Moto America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for real time series updates. Let's get started. Ricky Russell. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto. I think I know what you're up to today, but what's going on? Uh, actually, in the middle of riding. It's uh, 2 o'clock down here in Florida and just trying some different different shocks right now, actually. So just trying to, trying to get ready for uh, this sport around. Everything's a little bit uh, drier, hotter, and softer down here. Yeah, for sure. And I, it looks like you've got a fun crew that you've been hanging out with. I watched your recent video from a couple weeks back where you're kind of just getting to Florida and starting to train. It looks like you guys are having some fun times. Yeah, that got cut short a little bit for me, unfortunately, because I ended up hurting myself. But uh, it was awesome. Like, we Airbnb'd a house, and we're right there in Claremont area. It was just, like, just the middle of everything. You got all the, all the people down there trying to ride. So lots of tracks. We were able to hook up with Zach, Zach Osborne a lot, and he, he uh, showed us some places, and we showed him some of our backwoods off-road stuff so it's been good we got a good crew good uh, group of guys that all uh, want to do better and we all push each other so it's been awesome so here we are after three years you're with the coastal started husqvarna then gas gas so for the last three years and then we have this deja vu moment for you where you're back with the ampro yamaha team and a, and a familiar group of faces so how did this all come about where you're back uh back with the team that i know you had pretty good success with in the past yeah, like uh, I was with Ampro for 17, 18, 19. So I was with them for three years. They were awesome to me. They were always great people, great uh, group of guys to work with. But they've definitely escalated their level of competition and support since I've been there. So now coming back, it's kind of like a refreshment. I'm back with like my friends that I was with before and kind of started this whole thing with and uh now they're even like more backing it so just everything's like really good with them so far um i left for three years which was kind of like a little bit bittersweet but like i said we always kept a good relationship but um rode with coastal for three years and they were great too um there's always pluses and minuses at every team so i just wanted to try something different and got to ride the austrian machine for three years and it was good um like I said, there's positives and negatives, and now it's a refreshment coming back. So, yeah, it's exciting. Well, it seems like a great time for you to come back to the the Blue Crew because I've just heard nothing but good things about that 23 YZ450F. And from what I understand, this is the first year that you're being allowed to race the F model instead of the FX in off-road competition. So tell us a little bit about that. Is that thing, it's got to be a fun bike to get on that thing and ride a, ride a full moto bike and if anything, you probably have to de- detune it maybe for the woods, I would assume. Uh, no doubt. I uh, I jumped on this thing. Like you said, that's super exciting for me because it was, like you said, it was perfect timing. Um, 
they came out with this new model and we're everyone's a little leery about new models but like since i'm switching back to yamaha i didn't even know because the last one i rode was 19 i rode a fx which it was a big bike it was a big it was a big unit so i uh <laughs> immediately, immediately jumping on this this new one i was just like holy cow it was a rocket ship really fast and didn't feel big and heavy so i was like super pleased and then yeah i once i got started getting more comfortable i actually yeah did smooth it out kind of detuned it a little bit just off the bottom a little bit a little smoother and more manageable for the woods fun factor it was really fun when i had it set up for like moto but for us for three hours i had to just smooth it out a little bit it's super easy to do because that phone you just connect the phone right to it and it literally you could just change the mapping within 30 seconds so that that's a cool part and then watching tomac go out and just kill everyone i was like well bike must not be bad so once i started fine-tuning things and getting things out there it's been it's been awesome yeah as quick as as tomac seemed to pick up that new bike you know as as we all seen with ktm over the last year they had some struggles whereas you know so with yamaha coming out with this new bike you know, you just kind of have this in the back of your mind, like, is it going to be the same? But wow, they just seem like they nailed it. Like you were saying, everybody's saying the bike feels thin. And I think I even saw where you were able to put an oversized tank and it does it. You can't even tell. Yeah, exactly. Like when they changed the models, totally, completely, everyone's always like excited because it's new. But then we're always wondering, is it going to be good? Is it going to work? And it's working great. And then, yeah, IMS got the new, new tank for us pretty quickly. And that's my favorite part. Because back when I rode Yamaha's, you had the dry brake right in your groin area. And uh, <laughs> sometimes it uh, sometimes it didn't feel so good. You land on that thing wrong or whatever. And uh, it, yeah, it would knock the breath out of you and you'd be hurting for a little while. So we are still able to run the seat, the detachable part of the seat which hopefully in the future someone will design one, but we have one for our race bike that is connected to the, it's the dry brake cap and the seat all in one. So you, oh, wow. you pull the seat, you're pulling the dry brake cap and it's just as quick as a normal dry brake. Looking at the bike, it like, you can't even really tell there's a big tank on it. It's not like uh, the, the KTMs or some of the other models where you look at them and the tank hangs down two feet on this one side or whatever. It's like, you can barely tell. So Really cool, really, really cool about that part about the bike. I was really happy that we get to run the seat mainly. Definitely. Well, overall, it sounds like it was a pretty good off season for you, minus a little hiccup. I understand you broke your collarbone not long before the opening round, but yet you're able to rebound somehow and after only four weeks and land back on the podium at round one. Yeah, I was uh ended the season last year with a win and so I was on a high note and just switching teams, new bike, new everything. And the bike's been so great, like I was saying, and just on a high, like everything's been good and came down to Florida and just everything's been clicking, I thought. FC's really got us dialed in with their suspension and just uh, one little mishap and over the bars and broke my collarbone. So yeah, I was like, oh, it was, I was really bummed and just really frustrated because I had, I think, exactly four weeks four weeks, two days from when I broke it uh, to round one. And I, I was just bummed because we uh, have a program kind of, we all do it. Everyone does it, come, comes down to Florida and gets in the heat and just you got kind of a six week window of a boot camp to really ramp up your training and get ready for round one. And I was really bummed because I was only two weeks in and did that. So to be able to rebound, I still was able to train and I did a lot of, a lot of cardio and a lot of other stuff and just slowly got back going. So, I didn't miss out on too much, luckily, and we were able to 
make it happen and get on the box at round one. So the goal is just to keep getting stronger. I'm like, I was really worried about round one, not knowing where I'd be with this hiccup. And then being able to come in and get on the box and be competitive the whole day, I was excited. So now with another two more weeks, there's no reason we can't be stronger. Yeah. So I was just going to say coming off of, you know, your, your third overall performance last year, like you're saying, you ended the season with the win. So it has to be just a huge confidence boost for you to, to come into round two after landing on the podium at round, round one with the broken collarbone only four weeks ago. So yeah, like it's gotta be a huge boost for you coming into this, this uh, second round. That's exactly it. I mean, like I just said, I was like, not sure if we're round one. So where when we're competitive being a little bit i guess a little bit injured i mean it, it wasn't a real big hindrance but i was i was fighting a little bit it was a little weak a little bit sore so to uh get through that three hours and, and be there which ben kelly who's who i was battling with the whole day same thing um he was he's dealing with a leg injury so kind of wild i think both of us weren't real sure how round one was going to go so for that to happen, uh, yeah, I think we should be competitive. We should be competitive all year. Are you pulling out of any PG like the you know the National Enduro Series and the Sprint Enduro, or is you just going to kind of end up missing a few rounds from the from the injury? So I just missed round one, um, Sumter at the National Enduro. I kept saying to Randy, the team manager, I kept telling him, "Man, I think I could ride," and he was like, "No, we're not going to risk it." And, <laughs> In the long run, it was smart because the Enduros are tight. Sumter, especially, you're kind of weaving and bobbing through trees and everyone's shoulders on their jerseys are always torn. Like you're always clipping trees with your shoulders, not even meaning to. So it was smart not to. But yeah, I missed one round because I finished that se- that series pretty strong last year too with three or four podiums consistently. And the last round was second place behind Toast. So I was looking forward to being competitive in that one as well because that was kind of a learning curve to get good at those. It was a little bit different. And last year, we were starting to prove that we were a contender there too. So, yeah, missing one round. Hopefully, we can get back in it and just be consistent. Um, It's not as long of a series. But uh, like last year, Stu broke his neck, missed a round, and he was still in it at the end. He was second or third in the championship, and he was right there. So missing one round sucked, but we we should be okay. We'll get back to the conversation in one moment. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts. Let's change directions slightly and talk a little bit about your background because I think you have a, a unique, you know, interesting story. You race on the East Coast primarily, but you grew up in Washington State. So I'm curious to know, first off, how did you get your 
your start riding and, and racing? It's kind of funny. I, uh, I started really late racing. I started riding when I was three or four, like the typical young moto kid who's, who's trying to get into it or his dad's trying to get him into it. Um, but I just, I had no pressure ever to go race or anything. My family and friends, we grew up camping in the mountains in Washington and trail riding every weekend. We'd go trail riding and go on big camping adventures with, we had my family and a few other groups of families and friends just, we would get together weekend after weekend. And I uh, didn't do my first race until I was actually like 16. Once I could drive, I uh, drove to, I drove to my first race. It was a hair scramble, a local one in Washington. And I had a friend at school that was like, you need to come try one of these and did it. And I think I raced like 200 B or something my first time. And it was two hours or two and a half hours long. And man, it, it was a, it was a suffer fest, but I won and I was just from then on hooked. So the next year I raced the whole local series in Washington and I won I won whatever that was. I think it was 200 A. And then the next year I went to the, the local pro scene and battled for the championship all that year. And then I ended up like winning that championship four years in a row. And I was just like, people, everyone was like, you need to go try to do something bigger and better. And so I was late to the game, but then also I think it kind of helped with burnout. I was just so into it. And it went from family, our families and friends all camping and and riding trail riding to all camping and racing like all of my we had a huge group of us all doing local racing and then i finally uh tried to do some national stuff and uh we tried some west coast stuff here and there some works and uh, a few hare and hounds and i think it was like 2011 i was gonna do the hare and hounds and i ended up doing the first round and i got like sixth or seventh overall that was when caselli was doing them and he was just smoking everyone and uh I was like happy with that, but I was going to do the whole season. And the next round, I ended up out in the middle of the desert, big crash, lacerated my, my spleen. So that was a setback. And then I was just like, man, I don't want to do this desert stuff or these, this fast West Coast stuff anymore. Because um, Washington's real woodsy. Like all we race is woods. So yep. when I went and tried to do the West Coast national scene, it was like all deserty and fast and just not my style. So. Finally, I uh, I actually healed up from that and saved up all my money for a whole year just working. I think 2012, got a hold of Jason Rains at the end of 2012, and it was kind of because of him and, and Randy Hawkins in the first place. They he, I was able to stay in we called it the bunkhouse in 2013. It was Randy's shop essentially. We threw a bet at air mattress on the floor, and he let us uh, stay there and got thrown in the ring of fire with Paul Whibley. So I was able to train with him every day and kind of see what it was all about. And uh, it was me and my girlfriend at the time. We loaded up my van and just came over there and slowly kept escalating year after year. I uh, started XC1 with just no support and I got smoked. It was an eye opener. I was like, holy cow, this is a whole nother <laughs> level. And then got support for XC2 for two years. And we were competitive for that championship both years and just slight injuries. I had a wrist injury the first year. Me and Grant were battling it out, and it was summer break. Coming back from summer break, I think we were, like, tied in points. We were really close. And then coming back a week before, I broke a wrist and uh, had to drop out. So I ended up second. And the next year, I ended up breaking the opposite wrist 
two rounds in. So just stupid injuries in XT2, but we were we were showed that we had speed. And then I did my own support thing through MCS in Indiana for Suzuki, actually, 2016, and went back to XT1. And we struggled for, it was me and Chris Douglas with the MCS Obermeyer team. And we struggled kind of half the year and then got things clicking and ended up on the box a lot towards the end of the year. And that was when I first signed with Randy Hawkins. So then you heard the rest. It was kind of a circle from there. That's unreal. Like I had this thought that it might have been a little bit of Jason Reigns, him being a fellow, you know, Washingtonian, if that's correct, <laughs> from the state yep. of Washington. Yep. But yeah, because I was like, you've been doing this a long time. So like you're you're 10 years in now from like starting yep. in 2013 of XE1 competition. So I mean, you're kind of a journeyman. So I feel like, you know, everything you're saying, this sort of build up, you know, coming back to Ampro Yamaha. It kind of seems like this might be the year for you to chase down the title. I mean, is that the, I would assume that's probably your, your plan. Yeah, that's the plan. That's the feeling. It's just, like I said, it's been a big circle and kind of feel back at home and the vibes are good. Everyone's real motivated and everything's been, yeah, good. I, uh, Jason Rains and Randy and they all live in Traveler's Rest and that's kind of where I lived for five, six years, actually eight years. And it was kind of like I didn't know anything different. But then now, after living in other places, now I feel like I'm back home. Um, and it, it's still Washington's still home, but, but my East Coast home, Traveler's Rest, is really, really like that area where the Ampro Yamaha is out of. And uh, just familiar with it. And I think it feels like home. And with this group of guys and the new bike and everything just working. And now we're back healthy. I, yeah, I'm thinking it's our year, our year to shine. For sure. So it sounds like you kind of split your time primarily on the East Coast, but then you, you go back to Washington when you're not racing, right? And so each year you kind of have this sort of move from Washington, drive across the country to Florida, and and then you're probably there for the season, I assume. Yeah, so the first the first however many years, it was, yeah, every year driving the, the Moto Van, the Chevy Express across the country every year. But the last, pretty much since I've been with Coastal, kind of gave up on that i'm over that drive it sucks so so we've been we've been just i luckily have acquired enough stuff and have a camper and vehicles on the east coast so i fly back uh summertime i usually go back july just go visit family and ride at home and kind of bring myself back to my roots it's always fun to go trail ride again in the mountains and just nothing like it the you know from idaho and all that yep. just the, the mountains and stuff around there is just there's nothing like it. So try to go home when I can, but it's mainly just July and then the winter from the end of October, November to back to January. So not, not definitely more on the East coast than the West coast now, but yeah, I still try to go back and forth, but no more driving. I'm over that. <laughs> How cool is it though? You're 10 years in and, and you've been able to make, you know, a decent living to where I assume you don't have to have another you know job on the side, but I mean, that's, that's got to feel pretty good to be able to, you know, support yourself and just keep this going for as long as you have. Uh, no doubt. It was uh, when I first came over here, I was spending every single penny I ever ever had, which wasn't much at the time. Never had much money. So it's essentially a dream come true. Off-road's always hard because we don't make the big bucks like the uh, moto guys. But, yeah, you can make a living. So it's really cool to uh, essentially make my dream come true. What do you think has been a couple of the biggest things that have evolved in off-road slash GNCC racing over the last 10 years? I mean, overall, the pace just seems like it's absolutely blistering for you guys in a three-hour-long GNCC these days. 
it's crazy because when I jumped into it, it was like everyone was way like way fast, but I wasn't used to it. But once I got to that level, was, it just keeps going every year. I feel like everyone's ramping up to uh, essentially the KR level because Caleb was always one level ahead of everyone else for those eight years. So now he's got his program training people and there's other people who have been with Alvin who I've trained with like Tyler Rattray I trained with in 2020 it essentially I guess relates to Alvin Baker's style and then now kind of converting over to the off-road side where everyone just keeps ramping it up their fitness level um, gets better and better which with that our speed gets better and better longer so I don't think the initial speed is way better but now we're just doing that for the three hours like we're going as fast as we can for three hours and there's still a little bit in your head you have to race for three hours so you're kind of a little bit of a pace but it's a blistering pace so and and just keeps evolving because everyone just keeps getting fitter and with technology like the bikes are so good it's just it's nuts so is there a um you know most memorable race or win throughout that 10 year long career you've had for sure. So my most memorable ever would be Snowshoe 2017, which was with Ampro, and it was my first ever XC1 win. And uh, that was just super exciting. I felt awesome all day, and it was actually ended up being me and my teammate battling down to the last mile. And he was XC2 at the time, which was Josh Toth. He was in front of me, and I was able to get by him in the last Howard's mud hole. And so from there, it was pretty much ski slopes back up to the finish. That would have been the most memorable. And then, like, there's some other ones that are right up there. But that was the biggest one. Uh, My first XC2 win was in Indiana. And I always remember that one. But it wasn't nearly as exciting as XC1. And then this year, because from then, I didn't get another win. Just uh, multiple injuries, just lots of lots of issues over the years and never got another win was really close multiple times, but Caleb always, always slipped it away from me right at the end. So uh, I didn't get another one until last year ended up getting Mount Morse, which was really, really emotional and, and cool to get, get that win. And at Mount Morse, I was going through, I had a best friend who just passed away and it was just really cool how it all happened. You've definitely done some cool things. I think you've been on the ISDE team a couple times, and then you've been able to go over to the JNCC, the Japanese cross-country championship. So you've been able to do some cool stuff as part of that, you know, Ampro squad, haven't you? Pretty cool. Pretty cool where your motorcycle will take you. Yeah. So, <laughs> I yeah. I got to go with, because Randy's really close with them, so I got to go do a fun, it was eight-hour team race in Japan. That was fun. It was different because you're like, we had Japanese teammates and they, we couldn't, we couldn't communicate. So trying to figure out when we were switching riders and doing what, what not, it was, it was, it was just fun. It was different. So that was cool. The language barrier kind of made things tricky. Um, and then I got to go for GNCC cause they used to send someone every year as well. And that was fun. Japan's cool. And then um, I went to Portugal once. So I've only been six days once, but I just wanted to do it and check out the list to go and do it. And, and it was really cool too. So really cool where, where my motorcycle has brought me. Any other plans like that for this year? Like maybe going back and trying a, a six days or any, anything like that? Um, I thought about it, but my main focus, I just, I don't want to focus on six days this year. I want to focus on that GNC championship and then um, 
hopefully do well in Enduros. Uh, I just want to be be there for that JNCC championship. I'm just kind of just really focused on that. Well, one other thing I thought I'd mention, I saw on your social media that it looks like you're going to be, you know, congratulations, you're going to be getting married this summer to your longtime girlfriend. And, uh, you know, that's, yeah. that's one of those things where I feel like you got to have a good partner supporting you when you go to the races. And that just makes a huge difference. And it sounds like you've got, you know, a good situation going where your girlfriend really supports you in all your racing endeavors. For sure. No, yeah. Uh, July. So I got uh, like four or five months to uh, I maybe back out. So <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, no, she's she's awesome. She's been around for many years, six, seven years now. We're going on seven. And uh yeah, it's it's kinda cool. Um that's definitely a big step. Get married, but I don't think in the long run anything's really gonna change because <laughs> we've been together for so long already. But yeah, she's been behind me. She's lived on the East Coast with me. We've done it a lot where she's in Washington, she visits a lot. So we kind of we make it work so it's definitely cool that she's that supportive and lets me or allows me to uh keep chasing the dream absolutely i think i saw a few of your photos look like you might have snapped some at cannon beach which my wife and i uh, went there on our honeymoon it's one of our favorite places on earth cannon beach oregon so i think i saw a couple of snaps with the you know the haystack rock in the background so it must have been when you were back home that's actually where I that's where I proposed was Haystack Rock. So no way. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, that's funny. But yeah, it was uh, a we were home. It was winter time, so it wasn't as as pretty, but it was it's a cool area. I grew up my parents we would go down there quite often just as kids and go to the beach and stuff and cool really cool area. So I kinda tricked her and brought her there in the winters and made it happen in front of some Christmas lights and Haystack Rock in the background. So it was cool. Very cool. Well, Ricky, yeah. really appreciate your time today. And I just feel like there's a lot of good positive vibes going for you this year coming into this GNCC season. You got another round coming up this weekend. Wish you nothing but the best. I think it might be your season to shine. Any last words you'd like to share at this moment or shout outs you'd like to give? No, I appreciate the call. I appreciate the support. I, uh, yeah, I think um, the motivation is there and, and there's just loving how things are going besides that one little hiccup we got the the injury out of the way earlier this year so yeah thank you thanks for having me on i appreciate it if you enjoyed this episode be sure to follow pit pass moto on your favorite podcast listening app so you never miss an episode And if you have a moment, please rate and review our show. We'd appreciate it. You can also follow us on social media or visit pitpassmoto.com where you can listen to past episodes and purchase your very own Pit Pass Moto swag. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson and the production team at Wessler Media. I'm Dale Spangler. I hope you'll join us next week for another episode of Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for listening. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flojo. 
Phil Hughes, Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star, a new series from Crowd Network.